Today's guest on the podcast is Sam Filler, Executive Director of the New York Wine and Grape Foundation. Naturally, in our chat, we go in-depth on New York wine, the New York Drinks New York program, and discuss his strategy on targeting the London market. Enjoy. My name is Sam Filler. I'm the executive director of the New York Wine and Grape Foundation. I've been in this role for about a year and a half. Um, come from a non-traditional path into the wine industry. I actually have a background in urban planning and um, economic development. But I'm excited to be part of the industry. It, I like to say it's it's a really big and fun party that everyone wants to be part of and. Uh, my job at the organization is just to open that door and let more people in and enjoy the world of wine. Um, so I, my best memory about really getting good education in wine was when I lived with my aunt in Los Angeles, um, back in, um, 2008 and in her house, she converted one of her guest rooms into a wall to wall, uh, wine cellar and there was racks on the walls, a special table in the middle with rare vintages of, I don't even know what was on the table, but I remember she had Ridge and a bunch of other great wines from California. And then there was one section of the wall where she said, you can pull any wines out of here that you want, um, but don't touch anything else. And that one section literally was minimum $20 a bottle of wine. And, um, and so I would just pull from that and wasn't really paying attention to what I was tasting, but I definitely could taste a difference between that and some more of the mass market wines you can find. And, uh, I think what the benefit of that was, is it, it really developed my palate to help perceive the, the various, uh, sensory things you can get out of, uh, sampling wine. Um, and she told a story at my wedding last year that, uh, they accidentally put a very rare bottle of rosé from a certain California producer in that rack and me just thinking I could pull anything out of there took that out and polished it off in one night and um, they were very disappointed to see that one go because apparently it was a couple hundred dollars that that bottle of wine but uh it was a, it was a delightful wine I, I faintly remember uh, a evening watching the Yankees on TV while I'm drinking that wine um, but I uh uh, since then, uh, you know, I joined this, uh, Governor Cuomo's administration back in 2012 and, uh, moved into a, a new role that he created, which was called the one-stop shop. And it was a, um, service to the, uh, beverage industry to help them, um, basically have an ombudsman or advocate within government to help resolve their questions and issues. And just being my my personality is always to dive into something and learn as much about it as I can. And uh, I bought a book called I think it's Bodies, Legs, and uh, Arms, or some some kind of intro to wine book. And and the author talked about you know it's really important to take one varietal of wine and do maybe a single vineyard, one that's from a an appellation, a bigger appellation, and then maybe even one from a different country. So uh, when I was first dating my wife, what we would do is buy four bottles of like Chardonnay and do uh, a, a vertical tasting based on that. And we didn't discriminate based on price. We just, you know, try to get many different looks. And so I still don't claim to be any 
you know, expert wine taster, but I, I try to be more intentional and focused about uh, when I taste wines. And I think my palate has really um, come to uh, look forward to and enjoy the, 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 the taste of New York wines, which tend to be more low alcohol, food friendly, higher acids and, and bright and fresh. And so, you know, when I do have some of those mass market wines that sometimes you're forced to drink if you're on an airplane or, you know, an arena or something, they, they just are not very appealing because I, I like, you know, maybe it's just like if you visit your local brewery and you get the beer right out of the tap from their tanks, it's a really tasty beverage. And I think it's, you know, maybe it's the same thing with the wine industry too. It's when you have the opportunity to visit many of them in person, it's the wine is as fresh as it can be. It hasn't sat on a shelf for a while. It's, it's, it's there. And so, um, so that's, that's been a great part of the job is really, you know, refining my palate to the, to the New York taste. And, you know, I do realize that, you know, part of me upping my expertise in wine is now being more intentional about tasting wines from other regions. So I can see how the New York wines benchmark against the, the other wines of the world. So as I have listeners from all over the world, I, I think what would be really interesting to share would be an overview of New York State's growing regions. You know, what can we expect to find? What are the perhaps, um, you know, classic grapes that are planted here? And uh, yeah, just let the people know what they can find um, in New York State wines. So New York State is one of the oldest, if not the oldest, uh, wine grape growing region in the United States. Uh, grapevines were planted by the Huguenots in, in the Hudson Valley, you know, at the turn of the uh, 19th century. Uh, and then the, the first winery is was it's now called Brotherhood is located in the Hudson Valley. And then the first bonded winery in the U.S., Pleasant Valley Wine Company, is located uh, in Hammondsport uh, at the south end of Cuca Lake. So there's been a very long history of... Uh, grape growing and and winemaking in the state uh and if it probably wasn't for prohibition you know it would have really continued to develop in a in a strong way and i mean but prohibition across the board affected the alcohol industry in the u.s um and and so after prohibition um there was several large uh wine houses like taylor widmer's gold seal uh, Canandaigua Wine Company that were really based in um, the Finger Lakes and um, kind of were the, the making the dominant style of the wines at the time, which were really from uh, the native grapes, Labrusca grapes of, of uh, New York. Uh, and many of those are Catawba, Delaware, Niagara, Concord. Um, and so a lot of wines were, were made from those grapes. Um, and then there was also a tradition of French hybrid grapes that became popular in Hudson Valley and, and also throughout uh, the state. And, and so, you know, if you travel the Hudson Valley, Paco Noir for a long time has been a very popular varietal that's grown Savoie Blanc. Um, Savoie Blanc can also be found in the Finger Lakes. Uh, and the state government really assisted in the growth of the industry. They created, um, I'm sure, you know, other folks that you've met with, uh, 1976 was the Farm Winery Act, which uh, allowed uh, grape growers to establish their own small estate wineries. And we went from 
33 wineries in 1985, which is when the Wine and Grape Foundation was founded, to now we have close to 440 wineries in the state. Um, there's uh, 10 official American viticulture areas in, in the state, so you can go to any part of New York and probably find a winery or, or someone growing grapes, and literally you can go from the tail end of Long Island out in Orient Point uh, or the North Fork and drive all the way out to the far western uh, part of the state, Westfield, and there'll be grapes being grown. Um, it is important to note that the majority of the grapes grown in the state are Concord grapes, and they're they're typically grown for Welches, and um, you know Welches has long time been a presence here uh, in New York, make, processing juice and other great products. But there are wine grapes being grown in, in that part of the state, too. So um, you can travel all the way to the Canadian border near Montreal. Uh, that's the Champlain Valley. That's the newest uh, AVA. And they're typically growing the uh, Minnesota cold-hardy variety grapes. So La Crescent, uh, Frontenac, um, uh, and, and there's several others. Uh, and then there's also the Thousand Islands region, which is not an AVA, but they're going, growing those cold hardy grapes too. And they're close to Ontario. Um, but generally the, you know, industry is concentrated. Um, majority of producers are in the Finger Lakes, Hudson Valley and Long Island. And, um, the industry has really transitioned to being uh, more vinifera forward. And so the varieties that do very well here, Riesling, uh, Cabernet Franc, Chardonnay, um, Merlot, Cabernet Sauvignon, and many, many others. There's a lot of experimentation with, with grapes. And, uh, you know, as I'm sure you've seen through this visit through the Finger Lakes, everyone is doing something a little slightly different. There's even Sauvignon Blanc. So, um, and, and I think, um, you know, that's an exciting part about being a young wine region is where we're working with different varieties, seeing what works and coming up with our own unique expressions of the terroir here in New York. So to clarify what AVA stands for, it's a short for American Viticulture Area. And these are um, designated grape, wine grape growing appellations across the United States. They're designated by the Treasury Department of, of the United States. And so when you look at a wine bottle and you look at the label, um, it may say New York. And so New York indicates that it's the New York AVA, which is that wine is made from grapes all across from the state of New York. Uh, and then there's sub AVA. So the Finger Lakes is a sub AVA. And so a bottle could be la labeled Finger Lakes. And then there's even further sub AVAs like Seneca Lake, Cuca Lake, um, Cayuga Lake. And so you may see that on a bottle also. And so it's kind of like the, you know, DOC or AOC systems that you find in Europe, which is, it's just a way to uh, help the consumer understand the origin of those grapes. So I, I don't think our system is as uh, restrictive as the European rules, because basically to, you know, for instance, if I'm on Seneca Lake and I'm growing grapes here and then I bottle the wine here and I want to label it as a Seneca Lake AVA wine, 85% of the grapes that I put into that wine need to come from Seneca Lake. And, and you know, 15% can come from anywhere else. And it's, you know, I know um, Canada has what's called, or Ontario has the VQA system, which is Vinter's Quality Assurance. And, you know, there there is no national or, or sub-regional, like, quality um, 
program that says, well, yeah, you may have 85%, but you're not expressing the grape in the right way. So, yeah. The uh, New York Wine and Grape Foundation was designated by the state of New York to be the primary uh, marketing, promotion, and research entity on behalf of the wine and grape industry. And, and so we run a variety of promotional programs. And for the past eight years, we've been running the New York Drinks New York program, which was designed to be an exchange program for trade and media based in New York City to um, come visit the major wine regions of New York State, primarily the Finger Lakes and, and Long Island and the Hudson Valley. And so we, uh, on three occasions a year, bring up eight to 12 uh, folks from New York City to come do a tour of the the wineries of the Finger Lakes. We do a fall tour of the Long Island wineries and then the Hudson Valley wineries are part of um, the the culminating event for New York Drinks New York is a large portfolio tasting in New York City in March called the Grand Tasting. Um, So uh, this is the eighth year. Uh, We just kicked it off. We uh, made some changes to the program this year. We uh, have just recently hired a New York wine brand ambassador to be our, our point person for uh, continuing to work these uh, relationships with, with the trade in New York City and to represent the brands that are there in the program. And uh, his name is Paul Brady. Uh, he is from, uh, was last at Temple Court in the Beekman Hotel, and he's a, he's a trained sommelier. So uh, we think um, he brings a lot to the table to help us grow the impact of this program. Um, because when I looked at the strategically, you know, doing a portfolio tasting once a year is great. And it really kind of centers the attention of the, the trade in New York on New York wines and a very specific date and time. And it's become a, an event that a lot of people look forward to. However, I look at many of the other wine regions and they're also competing to be in this market and they have ongoing tastings and um, ways that they're getting in touch and staying in touch with the trade and so there's there's no reason that you know New York shouldn't continually be part of the conversation it's it's in our backyard and uh, we have the benefit that you know if we organize an event or a tasting we can call up our participating winemakers and it's a a relatively short drive to New York uh, couple hours but it's not like flying across the atlantic and and spending a lot on the plane ticket so um you know we we uh we have to use that to our advantage and um uh you know and and also this year uh we're taking a different approach to some of our marketing and content generation so you know by working with folks like you who have podcasts and have a very specific audience that's interested and excited about wines we want to you know share the, the great stories that are all all over the state about the wines that are being made and uh the passionate winemakers and owners that are behind them and and um you know there's there's a lot of interesting and cool stuff to discover sure so very much that new york is a i think a tastemaker city for um the global wine industry you know we we've been uh researching the uk market a lot and you know i i think england is or the uk has long been recognized as probably the next or one of the top wine markets in the world and has a lot of influences to, you know, who's drinking what and what regions come to prominence. And, um, it's, you know, I think just even the places that we want to be in the UK are very similar to our approach in in the U S is, or in the, in New York is to be in those tastemaker restaurants and wine bars and, 
um, you know, be part of the conversation. We have something different to offer than what can be found in Europe. And, um, you know, we were, we've been talking about trends on this trip. So uh, you learned about our rosé craze and you shared with us about, well, this is the summer about chilled reds and probably lower, lower alcohol chilled reds. Well, we have a lot of wines that could fit into that type of trend. And so, um, you know, I think UK is a good jumping point for us because we also are interested in, in growing in the Asian market and using Hong Kong as a portal for that activation. And uh, obviously Hong Kong is influenced by what is happening in the UK. And, you know, WSET has just opened their first Hong Kong office to spread their education out there. So, um, you know, you kind of got to follow that flow. And, um, uh, you know, I think it, it's it's exciting, and our winemakers are excited about entering that market. So right now, our approach in the UK is to really do high touch events with the trade. Uh, we're going to be working with Jamie Good. He's coming out here in August to tour many of the wineries that were part of this uh, New York Drinks New York program this this month, uh, and then he will be hosting a masterclass for us later this year. And there'll also be another series of um, tastings, either at wine bars or uh, you know master classes for for trade that that Westbury is going to organize. And you know our goal is to have the conversation start first with again the tastemakers within the wine industry in the UK, and then uh, work with our producers to get their product into the market, and then make a broader push to start getting consumers interested in asking their servers about you know where can I get this New York wine and um, you know, so hopefully if we educate the trade first, they're prepared for those, those requests from consumers and the product is available. Well, I'll go back to my comment about the wine industry is a, is a big fun party that everyone wants to be part of. And I think that's inclusive of the people that are already part of that party. I think they, they want to meet each other. They want to have conversations. They want to share what they're doing. That's new. They want to learn, you know, that technique that they can adopt in their vineyard to, uh, improve the harvest and the quality of their fruit. And, and a really cool thing about uh, when we went to Via Vinium in, in Vienna was I, I was with a, a winemaker from uh, Phil Aris from Damiani, and he was just geeking out, having conversations with a lot of the uh, winemakers and vineyard managers that were there pouring their wines from their, their, their families you know, Austrian families, um, wineries and, and just seeing that exchange. And, um, you know, even during this trip, we had a really wonderful dinner at William Williams, uh, winery where there was a, you know, small, I don't know if you call it portfolio tasting, but there was a walk around tasting of 12 other New York wineries. And we all sat down for dinner and people shared their wines and, you know, they, you know, while a lot of these wineries may be close by to each other, they don't get to see each other a lot. So creating these opportunities for that type of networking and knowledge sharing is really crucial. And so what I'm excited about is we, as we, uh, you know, continue to push through our export program to explore, uh, these international markets is also establishing relationships with, you know, sister organizations like Wines of Burgerland or, you know, Wines of Austria or, you know, whatever region it may be and really share knowledge and information. And, and we were pr- particularly excited about Wines of Austria because Austria is a very similar um, growing climate to us. We're growing a lot of the similar varieties. And so I think there's a good um uh, synergy between our wine regions and, um, you know, they've been growing grapes a lot longer and, and have adopted some techniques that 
you know, I can't specifically say what they were, but, you know, Phil was excited about some things he just learned off the cuff. So, you know, if he got excited, then I'm sure there's, you know, 10 other winemakers and vineyard managers or, or more from New York that would uh, appreciate that same type of exchange. So um, my goal is to really help facilitate more of those connections and dialogues and relationship building because, you know, again, just want to make the party a really great place you want to be. Thank you so much to Sam for appearing on the podcast. And a huge thank you to you and the team at the foundation for organizing the visit to New York. Please follow along with them on social media, all the links below. You can also sign up for their weekly email newsletter on their website. As ever, I'd love to have you following along with me. I'm at Interpreting Wine on Instagram and Facebook. Or email hello at interpretingwine.com. See you next time.